0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Philosophy for Our Times. This month's podcasts are focusing on the political, philosophical, and scientific contribution of women. And today we are going to imagine what
1: the world would look like if it were run by women. Our panel includes Labour MP Margaret Hodge. If Parliament were more representative of the world, I think there would be less conflict and less violence. Journalist and author Yasmin Alibi-Brown.
2: I'm not going to go the way of assuming that if women take over, you know, it'll be champagne and Smarties for all of us. And broadcast journalist, Ritula
0: Shah. I think South Asia is a very good example of why having women in power doesn't necessarily ensure that the world is less violent or has less conflict. Sean Curran hosts.
3: So, let's get started. Is it a fantasy to believe that the world would be less violent and would have fewer problems if we had women in power? And Yasmin, I'm going to ask you to stop.
2: I do think it has to happen. Whether men, women behave better or not, it's just the way it must be because we are more than half the population. So that to me is the bottom line. It has to happen. Whether I believe the world would be a kinder and less violent place, no. Because there have been too many cases of where actually women have loved being the champions of war from Margaret Thatcher with the Falklands or, or champions of the kind of politics I detest, Mrs. Gandhi, uh, what she did to India over so many years, not when she started, but certainly towards the end. I certainly thought there were really draconian policies, Mrs. Bandaranayak uh, Mrs. Golda Mayer, they've been examples again and again of when women got political power, or even power in business. I don't work for the standard anymore because when a woman took over, she sacked me. So I'm sorry. Um, and I certainly think when I look at Mrs. Theresa May, how uh, everything about how she is at the moment, her policies, her, her coldness, her, it, it, it's terrifying. So I'm not going to go the way of assuming that if women take over you know, it'll be champagne and Smarties for all of us. But I do think they change the way people debate. And I think it has to happen, because it's fair. Well, the first thing is, it's a
1: fantasy to think that women are in power. It's an extraordinary fact. I'm the 166th woman ever to have been elected to the House of Commons. Isn't that shocking? When I came in, one in ten were women. There were more men whose first name was John than there were women MPs in the House (laughs) of Commons. Um, The other thing to say is, if Parliament became more representative of the population, And part of that is representation of women, not just women. There are other aspects, you know, we are far, there are too many people who just have got a background in politics and haven't done anything else in the world. There are not enough people from uh, working class backgrounds. It's really, really, really gone down, all those things. But if Parliament were more representative of the world, I think there would be less conflict and less violence because we would just set an agenda which had more to say to more people, so that would be my first thing. The Second thing is, of course Yasmin's right that there are terrible women. There are also terrible men, many more terrible men than there are terrible women. And I just don't think of just of the Falklands with Mrs. T. I think of the conflict she established through the miners' strike or through rate capping. She thrived on actually establishing conflict and taking people on. However, my experience of being a woman in the Blair Brown years is that we did make a difference. We really did make a difference. We tackled issues which would never have been tackled if we weren't there. So the National Child Care Strategy, maternity rights, female mutilation, prostitution, you can go right across. And the thing I'm most proud of is actually the work that we did around flexible working, which I think is the most important introduction that really helps women balance their lives between their care and responsibilities and their work. And I remember, I'll just tell you that story. So there was a bunch of us women ministers absolutely determined to bring the right to request flexible working in. We were completely opposed by both Tony Blair and Gordon Brown. They, just, they thought it would upset business too much. They, uh, the business community was obviously up in arms with it, that it would be a regulatory thing which would undermine profitability, especially for small and medium-sized enterprise. We just went on and on. And the ministers, working together with a couple of women in Downing Street who were advising tony blair just by sheer persistence we got that change in and i think it's one of the things i'm most proud of because it has actually transformed our ability to do that so i think we do make a difference it's
0: quite difficult for me there's two women i admire enormously on the stage um how can i possibly disagree i don't think i can i think the things that i'd highlight i think south asia is a very good example of why having women in power doesn't necessarily ensure that the world is less violent or has less conflict. Um, so I think that's you know, rather a naive idea. However, I do think if we talk about the sort of achievements that we've had in the last 10 years or 15 years where women have begun to play a more active part uh, in political life... Even polling, and I know we're not supposed to believe in polling anymore, even polling suggests that women tend to be interested in things like healthcare and education, because whether we like it or not, it's often still women that, that run families. Therefore, perhaps there will be a change of emphasis in what enters the political agenda if women are in charge. You may consider that a good thing, you may consider that a bad thing. It could be argued that women's a, a women's agenda, if there is such a thing, Um, perhaps encourages a greater role for the state, which many people may not approve of. And I think, well, we're 50% of the population. How can you possibly continue to ignore us? So that's the dilemma. I don't think it's about violence or non-violence. I think it's about hearing everybody's opinions. And if you hear those opinions in the way that they deserve, in proportion they deserve, then yes, that is gonna change our political interactions not necessarily for less violence jihadi brides we're hearing quite a bit about them there are young women who are quite happy to to enter a conflict zone and and choose a very violent way of life so i don't think it means less violence but i think it may change the political agenda
3: so let's look at the question well would we have a different sort of world if we had more women in power as we look at our first theme which is do men and women act differently when they're in power now Yasmin, you were quite sceptical And you were citing there the examples of women leaders who behaved in a similar fashion uh, to men. Uh, Why do you think that is?
2: It's hard. I mean, I'm sure part of it is the structure as is how the whole system was uh, set up. Whether you look at domestic politics and power or international politics and power. It has been established about who is the striking woman, who is the real leading uh, voice in in females. And again and again, the judgment is based on how tough they are, how unfeminine they are. Um, I mean, Margaret Thatcher very cleverly used her femininity, so in that way she was quite an exception. But you could say Theresa May's wonderful shoes do the same thing. But then I hear her wanting to not rescue people in boats who are dying. And I think, what is the point of you wearing nice shoes, really? You know, (laughs) that you can actually coldly, (laughs) coldly do that. And then I think, am I harder on her? But, yes, yes, has that got anything to do with the fact that she's a woman, surely? No, 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 but I expect better, I do expect better. And that's the problem, that my expectations are higher. Yesterday, somebody came up to me, a very nice woman who was coming to the festival, she looked me in the eye and she said, the trouble with you is um, you express your opinions too strongly. So I said to her, do, do you, I said to her, do you think Simon Jenkins does the same? Or Peter Hitchens? Did you, Peter was here. Did you go up to him and say, Mr. Hitchens, I think the trouble with you is you express your opinions too strongly. This is the bind. This is the bind. If you're a woman, you're judged differently i judge them differently i confess you know we all do that i expected you're not supposed to behave in these unwomanly ways um and but at the I same think time it can work to your advantage
3: you were talking about women ministers working together yeah. do you think that you know when you were in government and you were doing those things did you find that the female ministers were working in a different way from their male counterparts yeah,
1: I've got. I've really got a challenge. This is. I am going to challenge Yasmin on this. I think women work in a different way. And I can tell you, we work in a different way in Parliament. Now, you've chosen the worst examples, <laughs> the worst examples. <laughs> and I can, you know, but talk about Harriet Harman and yeah, the yeah, way yeah. she works. <laughs> uh, uh, actually, talk about, even on the Tory side, you know, um, uh, Caroline Spellman and the way she works. So we are more consensual. We are greater team but players. But the question
2: was, is it, are we going to have less conflict? and well, you know, more do we work differently was the question,
1: and I think the answer is we do. We are so supportive of each other. I spend a lot of time uh, supporting the young women who are coming in now to make sure that they can grow and, and develop. I always always go over to a tory woman if she's done well in that in parliament or anything to say well done that was great and i think that's really really important so we do work in a different way we do bring a different perspective i mean you said it earlier on we do bring a different perspective to the issues that we do and actually just i'm going to share one story with you which was a very early one because we all of us spend our lives balancing between all our responsibilities and that's different so when i was very first an mp in 19 19- In those days, we didn't have mobiles, we had pages. And what I wanted was to sit behind Tony Blair, who'd just been elected as leader of the Labour Party. Uh, so that all the good burgers of barking would see me, that I was really working. It <laughs> didn't matter. You had to do that. You had to get into the house half an hour early. You will know that, sure, to have that seat behind. So I went and sat behind him thinking, oh my God, I've done it. And now they'll all see me. And then he just got up and started speaking and my pager went off. And it was my 15-year-old, who was supposed to be at home revising for her GCSE, saying mum, ring home, crisis. So I thought, oh my God. Yeah. Oh. She's, she's set fire to the house. She's going to tell me she's pregnant, something <laughs> like that. So and, and rushed out, rushed out as only a woman would, the men wouldn't, picked up the phone and said, what's the matter, Anna? And she said, oh, mum, I just wanted to see whether you had your pager on. LAUGHTER <laughs> I tell that story as a joke, (laughs) but it shows that a different approach to work that between men and women, which we bring to the house, and I think just reflects. And if you look at the way I ran my committee and compare it to other ways, I built a consensus all the time from the extreme left to the extreme right to do some reports which were incredibly critical of the government, incredibly critical of the establishment, but always had 100% unanimity behind them. So I think we can make a difference. We do work in. a different way, and sod the, the one or two who we always criticise, because you'll always criticise the women for being ghastly, you'll never criticise the many men who've always had power for always being ghastly. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <for Good>. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you, you cited there the committee and working together, obviously there are men and women on that committee, so do you think that if w- women have got power and influence at Westminster, they can get men to behave in different ways. Yes. And why is it that if you don't have that female influence, they don't behave in that cooperative way?
1: Uh, Because men's relationship with each other, particularly in the political context, is very macho. It's just sort of, you know, also being able to hear other people. When men get into power, they stop hearing People but, but, around but, oh, them. But then if that the, wouldn't the reverse also be true? If you
0: had a whole bunch of women together, they'd be too busy listening to each other and, and <laughs> actually nothing would ever get
1: done. I mean, I'm not saying I think that, but... but that's if, that's if it's not it, true either, because we have to do things. We have to take, you know, all my life has always been, I've got to take decisions in my home like you know, relations to children. I have to take decisions in relation to my work. Actually, we're rather good at taking decisions because we have so many things that we have to juggle. And if you don't decide one thing, you're just, you can't do the other bit of your life. So I don't agree with that. Listening and deciding is better than reaching the top and feeling that you're too good to listen to anybody else.
2: I think it's wonderful and I am a completely committed feminist and I love Margaret and I, <laughs> what she's achieved and what she's done for politics. People began to have faith in politics. So actually they began to have faith in politics because you got very clear headed and held power to account okay? There is this coziness within the establishment. All that said, I will fight till I die for women's rights. But I'm not, I'm not romantic about what we women can do. At every age, I think I am often very disappointed at the way f- young women and older women can behave towards other women and other human beings. And I think it's made me kind of not ever turn against the feminist project which goes on and I will fight it and I've received such extraordinarily horrible threats from politicians as much as everybody else but I do think we have to be truthful about some of the things that are going on in the world. I mean what happens to young women at the moment really worries me because of what young men are doing but more about what other young women do to them. So there is a sort of side to us we need to confront. I still get disappointed again and again, whether it's women in business or women in politics, that sometimes what I expect doesn't happen and actually the opposite does. So I think we need to be a bit more truthful about that.
3: Is that because women in business are encouraged to behave more like the male leaders who are there when they start their careers. We
2: have choices, you know, we have, I mean, The Apprentice. And I see the women on The Apprentice. I can't bear it. I cannot bear how they, so yes, they are encouraged. You can see, you win if you do this, you win if you are this. It's the culture and it has to change. And I trust when women are 50% and more, they will change the culture. But at the moment, the evidence doesn't suggest to me it will necessarily be the case. But can I just, you, just
1: you've drawn, but the woman is the bitch, the man is the boss. Yeah. And I can't remember who said that, but that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Demonstrates the. No, no, I tension. do mean
2: bitch here, not boss. Where she turns yeah, around but, and yeah. but says, yeah. a woman all in all power sorts of horrible things to about yeah. other women. But a
1: woman in power exerting that power in a nasty yeah. way is known as the bitch. The man in power exerting his power is just
2: known is as the man. boss. Is a man is the boss. There's and a difference in. There's a difference in
0: language but do you think actually it's the same character traits though that allow people to succeed which has got nothing to do with whether you're a man or a woman but actually it's a certain toughness of character, a certain willingness to perhaps offend, um, to not always go for the consensus, to be be the slightly obnoxious difficult one but perhaps it's been traditionally less acceptable for women to fulfil that role. So when when they do, we still kind of go, ooh, ooh. But actually, the character trait is the same, whether you're a man or a woman.
3: What would people have thought, Margaret, if uh, Tony Blair had dashed out of the House of Commons because one of his children (laughs) had paged him just at the start of (laughs) Prime Minister's questions?
1: Well, I'd have thought better of him. (laughs) He couldn't have done it sitting at the front. But one of... One of the things I always do, I don't know if my colleagues do this, is I always talk to my fellow male MPs about their families because I think it's as important that they should see that as part of their lives. So I don't talk about football. I don't go and drink drinks in the in in the bars I do occasionally not very much but uh but I do talk about families and children and where they are because it's as it's as important to them and it should be part of their lives as it is to uh women and can I just say you I think I'm tough and I can be jolly rude to people but hopefully there's a way of doing it which isn't shouty. I can't quite... I'm trying to find a way of articulating it. You do
3: lose your temper sometimes. I do
1: lose my temper sometimes. I think we've discussed that that on air before now, Margaret. (laughs) (laughs) We've discussed that on air before now. (laughs) Yeah, we have. We have. (laughs) I've talked about it with you. I have lost my temper, so you're right about that. But I, I can ask. you can ask a tough question in a not overly aggressive way, uh, and get further with it. And I think, you know, of course all women are different. We're not all the same. And of course there are some people who exercise power by aping the men, rather than by developing a different culture and approach to, to to it. But on the whole, I think if you were to watch, for example, the select committee, Sean, you watch them the whole time, and watch the ones that are chaired by women, and watch the ones that are chaired by men. Isn't there a difference?
3: There is. There is a difference. Yeah, and sometimes... It's a difference in terms of the quality of the answers, not so much necessarily the, the actual wording of the questions. It's, it, it can, it's a difference of approach, that's true. Do you want to hear more from the world's leading thinkers? If the answer to that question is yes, subscribe to IAI.tv for unlimited access to thousands of debates, talks, articles, academy courses and live events. Are you bored of the surface-level news, politics, sports and entertainment coverage on your newsfeed? Go deeper. Get the philosophy behind the news and get the latest big ideas from the world's leading thinkers on subjects at the core of the human condition, life, the universe and everything in between. It's free for the first month and there's no commitment to pay, so subscribe now to understand the world beyond the surface level. So we've got lots of different... uh views there about conflict and cooperation but one thing we do know is that we live in a a violent and uncertain world the world's always been violent and uncertain and also more men have power than women so are men to blame for the world's violence and problems and um, I'm going to ask you Yasmin because I would guess that you could say from your point of view yes because they've provided the structures that have led Everybody, men or women, wants to get into power to behave in a certain way. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, that's fair. And I think um, certainly if you look at where we are now, whether it's the Middle East, whether it's um, you know the trouble spots, Putin, all that lot, it certainly seems to be a certain kind of bloke who's leading the the violence. I'm not talking about politics here, but actually really quite determined and planned violence, it seems to me. Certainly, it's undeniable, but like Ritula said, so what makes young women go and join them, as did young women who joined the fascists? You know, there were fascist chic at the time and the Mitford sisters and all of those, you know. What is it that attracts women to... I tell you, when I started questioning my own idealism about women is when women in parliament of whatever colour did not failed to back the war on Iraq. I know some of them wanted to. They felt the war was wrong. But too many women supported that action. And it made me think that there is a kind of command, commanding male presence, that draws women to it. And, of course, those men were raised by women, largely. So I also have to ask, Mm. what is the mothering that Mm. we need to change? Certainly Muslim men of this, the most violent kind are raised by mothers. And mothers, we mothers of Muslim boys, have to ask ourselves, why have we turned up out these... Because we've told them they were born to rule and they could do anything. And so so much has to change from the moment a child is born, I think.
3: So uh, that leads us to an interesting question about... Education, Ristler, should we be telling young women when they're in school that they should be looking to run corporations and run the country? Oh, undoubtedly. Or is that that sort of unfair? Well, When
0: I grew up, it was very interesting. When when Margaret Thatcher died, um, you suddenly saw all this film footage of the 1980s. And I looked at the television. I, I was at school and at university in the 1980s. And, uh, and I never imagined that I could possibly be a journalist, or be on the television, or be on the radio. or It just never occurred to me. And it was my friends at university who said to me, why not you? And when Margaret Thatcher died, and all this footage of the 1980s came on again, I looked at it and thought, gosh, I understand why I never imagined that I could be part of that world. All the people on that footage, apart from Margaret Thatcher, were men. And they were white, very posh men. And I just thought, gosh, the world has changed so much. I'd forgotten it looked like this because it, it no longer does, at least on the television it doesn't. And so I think, yes, it's really important to say to women, you can be an engineer, you can be an astrophysicist, you can be a doctor, you can be whatever you want to be, a plumber, a gardener, a lorry driver. Um, you've got to open up that, the world to women. Examples matter to that extent, I feel I've realised I take lots of things for granted now that I don't think I could 30 years ago. So yes, you've got to change education. And, And I also think you've got to change education for men, to pick up from what Yasmin was saying. As a mother of two sons, I kind of think it's my responsibility to lead by example. I want them to see a mother who is capable and emotionally literate, but equally able to function in the world and isn't scared of doing stuff and doesn't say, well, I'm a girl, I couldn't possibly do that.
3: So I think it works both ways. Now, Margaret, we've had all sorts of social advances, and, you know, Russell's been talking about those. Often, male politicians take the credit for those changes, don't they?
1: Well, do you remember the introduction of tax credits? There was a big campaign at that time because the tax credits were all going to go into the wallet. They were going to go to the men. And it was a bunch of us women getting together that said, actually, this is money for the children, the children's tax credit. It's got to go into the purse. It's got to go for the women. So I can come up with endless examples. The problem is, there are, You know, if you look at many of the professions now, more women become doctors, lawyers, even going into, I think, financial services, but then they hit the glass ceiling. And uh, you look at the top of any of our professions and, you know, how many newspaper editors, 5% of newspaper editors are women. The Today programme, I was absolutely shocked to see 85% of the people who appear on the Today programme are men. So we still have that glass ceiling through which women find it hard uh, to break. So the challenges are huge. And then we still have the challenges in things like engineering, where the, the number of women who do engineering and those sort of traditional male jobs are still ridiculously uh, small, and we have to break through that. So there are still some areas that women are locked up. There is still an appalling glass ceiling. And of course it needs men to promote women, as well as women as role models. I think role models are hugely important. Uh, I think uh, uh, mentoring women, younger women, for me at at this phase in my life, is massively important. So they're all things women can do as well as the men. But
2: the, but the challenge is absolutely right. I remember when Mo Molan did all that she did mm. in Northern Ireland. And in the end, they took the credit yeah, away from her. They did. I, I found that so shocking. Uh, and then she dies. I mean, how tragic was that? And my daughter is studying medical engineering at the moment. And one of their assessments she's just finishing was a group project, a team project and she's very conscientious and works very hard and there were two women on that in that group and four men when it came to the presentation this is the final assessment the two men jumped up without warning them and did the presentation implying that they'd done the work i was so shocked and she was so shocked she said how can they do this in the end we persuaded her to go and complain to the to the department, but she said they just did it. They took the credit. So it's astonishing. It still happens now, even in you know the academic world. But to pick up on
0: one thing that Margaret said, the question of the glass ceiling. I sometimes wonder when you talk about MPs in Parliament, the sort of hours that people are asked to work and the way in which people are asked to work. um, I think that men also now have to recognise that if you genuinely want equality in the workplace, men have to do their bit too. Um, I work three evenings a week, a minimum. I'm just not at home. I'm not there to cook dinner, to see my children, whatever. The only reason that is sustainable in the long term is because my husband's there to do that. But I know plenty of men who wouldn't be prepared to do that. Um, But I think in the workplace, in the home, in relationships, if actually we want women to rise up and to do the jobs that are out there, then men have got to support them in that. And that's, you know, got to be on an individual level, on a corporate level, in a kind of societal level.
3: Right. That's a good point for us to move on. What would a world in which women were in power actually look like? And I'm interested in some of the things you said, Yasmin, because I sort of sense from what you're saying, you think it would be a much more left-wing world.
2: I don't know <laughs> if it'll be left-wing. If, I, I think Margaret has said it very well, that, you know, there is the consensual, maybe more emotional literacy coming in. I, I don't agree with Margaret that when we have to hold people like Theresa May to account because she's an immensely powerful woman who is affecting the lives of the most desperate women in the wo- people in the world, including children. Those values need to be, need to change... Um, we but that's a, that's
3: a political argument. I mean, she might. Uh, I, I no, don't know no, what Theresa May's views are, but she may genuinely believe all of the things that she's doing. Well,
2: I think then what's the point of having her and not a bloke, actually? What's the point? Well, it's, it's, it's very important to me that the values change, that the values we live by then begin to shift. And they have shifted
3: hugely. But that would mean you'd only want a certain sort of no, woman. It's not to left be wing
2: him. or right wing. It's somebody who has different values from the very competitive, very nationalistic at times, very small-minded way in which we talk about this country and its future and what our obligations are internationally and all sorts of things. So, And some, of, some very good people on the right are truly invaluable when it comes to defending the Human Rights Act, for example. So it's not left-wing. I mean, I think David but, but Davis... But is it male or female either? No, then? no, but I think the values... I would love to see a world where we are truly global. We're not only global in the sense we are now, which is we have the right to go off and rip off the rest of the world and uh, capitalism moves but labour can't. I would like those things to change, I hope. But I'm not sure it would happen. I've said it again and again, I'm not pie-eyed about it. But I think it would be good if we had absolute parity, or even more women sometimes in certain situations I mean social work is a very good example social work is still dominated by women and actually the values are very different from I think the way they would be if it was a very male centered male driven occupation Um, so yes it's not left and right I want there to be a big change but the fundamental changes aren't happening yet. And the other really worrying thing at the moment to me is I talk to a lot of young women uh, of my daughter's age and younger how they are withdrawing from feminism. I mean, the number of them who say they want a rich husband and, 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 and sit at home, honestly, highly educated young women saying, I don't want all this trouble, you know, I want a good life. It really upsets me. Terrible. I want to shake them. <laughs> and, and that's very violent. And I'm a woman.
3: <laughs> OK, I'm not going to get on the wrong side. Um, uh, Margaret, you said at the beginning that you'd like to see a more representative House of Commons, yeah. a House of Commons that represented yeah. society as a whole. Let's just imagine for a moment that the majority yeah. of members in the House of Commons were women. Brilliant. And the majority <laughs> of ministers in the government were women. What would be different?
1: I think this is a really interesting question. I think, first of all, colour. Just think of it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> We'd be much more colorful, wouldn't we? It'd be great. Oh, uh, I wouldn't w- wear purple. Am, w- am I wearing purple? I'm sort of wearing purple today, my own feminist. So it would be color. I think the other thing is it would be much more grounded in reality. So the Yarboo of the Westminster bubble, all that rubbish that we get of people thinking all the games that they play there is what politics is about, rather than uh, taking action, which impacts on people's lives. I think that would go. I think that would be brilliant. I think there would be much more inclusiveness because of what Yasmin talked about. I think there is that value, that, that consensual value. So we'd not think that you'd, uh, you'd uh, uh, win battles by defeating the opposition, you'd win battles actually by building a consensus. That's always the approach. I think there wouldn't be so much waste of money. I just think back on uh, my classic example of this in the work that I did over the last Parliament. Was aircraft carriers, do you remember the... We're, just, we're still talking about the aircraft carriers? Well, we, don't th- yes. we don't have them <laughs> yet. We don't have them yet. We don't have any planes either. 2020, 2021 or something like that. But when Labour brought them in, so it's a criticism of both sides. When Labour brought them in, it was just before the 2010 election, they signed the contract to deliver these aircraft carriers without a penny in the budget. It was a Gordon Brown action uh, to, to start building them. Within six months of having started, they had to delay the contract for six months because there wasn't any money in the budget. That delay cost 1.6 billion pounds. And then when the Tories came in, they decided they were going to change the aeroplanes that come off that aircraft carrier. Completely stupid, didn't do the work, changed their mind within a year on that. So there was two changes of mind. That cost nearly a billion pounds of wasted money. So I think we're just better at doing money. And then the final thing I think is... <laughs> the final thing, I think, is actually the quali- we care about the quality of service. I think one of the things that I'm desperate about as having been Children's Minister under the Blair years, is we established all that Sure Start childcare stuff. And now I see the parties competing over what they're going to offer on childcare. And it is important, but what really, really matters in that is not just the 10 hours or 15 hours or 30 hours, it's the quality of what the children get. None of us, no parent wants to put their child into a poor setting, and there is so little money there. We pay the child workers so, so pittance. You know, we pay university lecturers, sorry, all of you here, are much better than we do people looking after the really formative years in in children's lives as those early years. And if you don't get the quality right, if you don't get well-paid, well-qualified, really committed people, you'll never achieve what I'm in the Labour Party for, which is equalising life chances, which really starts at the bottom. And I think that thing about quality, not
3: just numbers, comes from
1: women having power.
3: Now I'm not going to press you to I offer a controversial opinion. No, really. <laughs> I don't have but, any. I and mean, can you imagine a can you imagine a situation where women would be in power to the same extent that men are now? Oh no, absolutely. Why not? Absolutely. I think we've got to be given the chance
0: and we're we're going for it and I think it's beginning to happen already lead by example. I'm less optimistic than Margaret, though. I don't know that it would all be much better. I think women would make the same mistakes. I think the agenda might change because of of experience and and what women have have gone through. But I I think, you know, would women be much tougher on law and order? Would there be more support for, I don't know, the death penalty? Who's to say? I, I think that it's about experience. And if I don't know, if you suddenly had a whole bunch of women who'd had terrible experience of violent crime, Perhaps they take a much lof- tougher stance on law and order. I think the agenda would change. I'm not sure that the mood might change in the way that you, you know, that Margaret suggests.
3: I mean, it is the case, isn't it? Margaret? We do have some uh, cooperative institutions like the United Nations that were created by men and women. It, 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 it's not it's not always the case that it relies on just say women to get cooperation, is it?
1: No, of course not. Uh, which is why it's, you know we have the Theresa Mays and the Margaret Thatchers who symbolise really the worst aggression of men and attitudes of men. But uh, I, I just honestly, I think the way we do, we work. All I can t- do is build from my experience. So my theory doesn't come from some sort of feminist ideology. It really comes from the way I see us working in the House of Commons. And maybe it's because we're in a minority. The moment you're in a minority, you coalesce. Um, I can just tell you that there is a real, there is a different way in which we operate. And of course, there are exceptions. Of course, there are people who stand outside it. You know, there are people without families, for example, who really resent people like me banging on about childcare and support for, for, for people with caring response because they feel they've done it without and why should I bang on about that? So, of course, there are differences. But I, we just work in a different way. And I think we are more inclusive, and I think we are more consensual, and I think we are better as team players, and I think the agenda would change. Now, interesting enough, that doesn't mean we're soft on crime. I think we would be tough on crime, you know. I think we would be tough on people pulling themselves up by the boot boot strings. You know, I think there would be areas where we self-reliance is quite an important value for many women. We've had to learn it. Um, so that doesn't mean it's soft and wishy-washy. I think you don't underplay the extent to which uh, women's presence can alter the culture of an organisation. And I think that's probably true of the BBC, or it's probably true of journalism, too. It oh,
2: I don't know. Uh, you don't think so? We, well, I, you know, I, I've i seen some pretty hard uh, female um, bosses. Editors. I mean, one of them had a baby on one day, and she wrote her column, and she wrote it in her column. I'm in labor, I'm writing my (laughs) column. (laughs) And the next week she was writing her column, and she had no sympathy at all for the female staff. Of course, she was that tough, right? If she could do it, if she could actually write and be there doing her job while in labor, you know um, she I used don't to think that's tough. She i think that's tough. She, she, used to make <laughs> it, yeah. she used to make the male <laughs> columnists actually cry yeah I, I, you know so I, I can i can and also i do want to say something which perhaps you know should have been assumed but needs to be said that as ritella said there are some fabulous men we are the first generation where we can have truly equal relationships with our partners. And we are lucky because in vast parts of the world, they're not even thinking about this. We have partners who are with us, who are sort of equal to us, and it's not even an issue anymore. Um, And that kind of love and that kind of support really helps. And, you know, I think all three of us here have had, we have those partners. And We have to give credit to them and beyond our own personal lives. Men who understand the needs and what needs to happen because it isn't good for them either. It isn't good for them and the world that there is this uneven world. So I do want to give credit to the men who are with us uh, uh, on this (laughs) this extraordinarily important journey. I was in Vietnam in February for a holiday and uh, in one of the museums, they've got a wonderful museum dedicated to women which they opened just a few years ago. It's an absolutely beautiful museum, and it's got all these stories about the women fighters and the wars and so on, and, but also stories about birth and matriarchies. But there are some matriarchal societies in um, Vietnam uh, in some of the uh, uh, kind of older areas where urbanization hasn't taken place, and it's fantastic. When they marry, the man goes to live with the wife. He takes the wife's surname, the children are named after the wife and the, el- the youngest daughter inherits. OK, now...
3: now, let's now let's I
2: want that to happen. <laughs> OK.
0: <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this podcast, which was brought to you by the Institute of Art and Ideas. So what do you think? Would the world be a better place if it was run by women? Let us know by tweeting at III underscore TV with hashtag philosophy for our times.